Today we're going to focus on verses 24 to verse 31 in Acts chapter 28. It starts for Acts chapter 28, starting at verse 17. After three days, he called together the local leaders of the Jews. And when they had gathered, he said to them, Brothers, though I had done nothing against our people or the custom of our fathers, Yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. When they had examined me, they wished to set me at liberty, because there was no reason for a death penalty in my case. But because the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, though I had no charge to bring against my nation. For this reason, therefore, I have asked to see you and speak with you since it is because of the hope of Israel that I'm wearing this chain. And they said to him, We have received no letter from Judea about you, and none of the brothers coming here has reported or spoken any evil about you. But we desire to hear from you what your views are. For regard to this set, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. When they had appointed a day for him, they came to him at his lodging in greater numbers. From morning to evening, he expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. And some were convinced by what he said, but others disbelieved. And disagreeing among themselves, they departed after Paul and made one statement. Paul made one statement. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers, through, the, through Isaac, I mean Isaiah the prophet. Go to this people and say, you would indeed hear, but never understand. You would indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they have barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. Verse 28. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. In verse 30, as we end this book, he lived there two whole years, had his own expense, and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness, without hindrance. Thank God for our reading. Let me pray for us. Our Father God, Lord, we thank you again for another Lord's Day, Lord, to be amongst your people. Lord, we ask you to go before us right now, that the hearts, Lord, and the minds, Lord, are attentive to your word. Let your word go forward in power. Let me not grab any attention right now, but let your attention be upon you. Let your people that are here, Lord, proclaim your name, Lord, this day after hearing your word. Strengthen us. Build us up in your word here today. Let me preach your word faithfully. So, Lord, help me even in my weakness. Give me strength, Lord, to honor you well here this morning. In Christ, let me pray. Amen. Many have considered in this book of Acts to remind us of similarities of different Actor or celebrities resembling, I mean, their son or someone, their son or daughter resembling an actor. For example, Denzel Washington has a son now that's in the entertainment. For example, uh, we know many more. Archie Manning had many boys that played football Peyton Manning, Eli Manning. We keep going on with different people that are famous, might have someone to follow after them. The guy Kobe Bryant, right? His dad played professional basketball in Italy. And so we can notice a lot of people have resembled those that have came before them. Well, we can see the similarity in Acts. Say, now we are to resemble who Christ has came before us. We should resemble Christ in all our ways. That is really good, and that is important. But the secondary to this book of Acts. I think the book of Acts 
is showing us something that's so unique here. It's showing us that Christ, even though he sits at the right hand of the Father, Christ is still working right now. Amen. Not that for us to grow into the image of Christ. Yes, that's important. God commands us to grow into the image of the Son. But the important thing we have been learning to ask how Jesus Christ sits at the right hand of the Father, and for us to be able to see, He's going to continue working through His church. Amen. So what do we have to resemble that? I think the story of Archie Manning and Peyton Manning, right, it's good to be able to see them resembling their father in football, even Denzel Washington's son, resembling him. We should resemble Christ. But ultimately, I think that what they're driving in this book of Acts is that Jesus is still alive and well and still working. Amen. So what do we have to compare to in nature? Think about somebody that need a kidney. Or somebody need a heart, say transplant. Someone might get a new heart. They might get a new kidney, right? But the person where that heart comes from, the kidney where that person comes from, they don't still move that person. They actually control that person in a way of give that person conscious, help that person with conscious decisions. So what do we have in nature that resemble that Christ is working through his people? Family, we don't. All the similar we have, think about a seed when you go planting. When you plant a seed, you can't plant that same seed again. That seed produces new seed, right? <laughs> So you cannot plant the same seed. But look at everything else in nature, it cannot resemble what I just mentioned before you. How God comes into his people and moves and works through his people. Only example I know is a robot, right? It's not nature in the sense of that we see it within general nature of God created. But actually, if we put things together and create a robot, you might put an actual software program inside that robot to make that robot pick up something. The robot to go this way, to go that way. I remember years ago when I was in robotic competitions. I would program the robot to pick up certain things, to do certain things. And you can take that same program and same strip, and I can put it inside another robot, and it does the same thing. And I can take the same chip and put it in another robot that does the same thing. That's very similar. But looking at the trees, looking at the grass, every time grass grow back up, right, it must be that same root that grows back up, or it might be a new seed that grow back up. But it's never in a sense of another seed coming in, or say another seed comes in to be the one that continue growing for that seed or whatever the case may be. We don't have anything. So what do we get from? It's come from God's special revelation in the scriptures. Only way we can know God in an intimate way of what he's done and working through his people is through the scriptures. Amen. No other religion has this type of concept. You think about Buddhism, you think about Islam, you think about all these certain, even the Hebrew Israelites, all these certain groups, you never truly have different camps of the Hebrew Israelites. Some might say yes, but some say not. But for the most part, in all the belief systems that's in the world, agnostics or whatever the case may be, you never have a God that comes in and steady direct his people from heaven. Never have that. But we saw it in the book of Acts at this time. And I think as we end the book of Acts this morning, I think these four points is going to kind of drive that too through us here even this morning. We're going to do the four points this morning. Some Jews were convinced that Jesus was the Christ. Some Jews disbelieved that Jesus was the Christ. God would save Gentiles while many Jews do not believe. And Paul does not proclaim the kingdom of God. I think those four things kind of sum up the life of Jesus. How do we know? Let's jump to point number one to see how we see this. Some Jews were convinced that Jesus was the Christ. Look at verse 24. And some were convinced by what he said. Paul explained the gospel before the Jews now. His good character we talked about opened up the door for the people to hear him. Paul didn't bash Judaism for what they have done in the past, but he told highly of Judaism, how God has been working through the Jews 
So the Jews wanted Paul to explain more about Christianity. Because Paul has loved them, and Paul has talked highly of the Jews. And for the Jews to say, hey, since Paul, you think highly of the Jews, tell us more about this Christianity. And Paul explained to them about the kingdom of God. How God has talked about the coming of the kingdom in the Old Testament. So when Christ appeared, he said his kingdom is here. And Christ healed the sick. He healed the blind. He healed the lame. He reversed the effects of sin. That Christ's kingdom will restore all things to Christ. And also, Paul talks about how Christ talked about from the law of Moses and from the prophets. Christ just didn't appear in the first century. But Christ was talked about since creation. I talked about it with somebody last night. I think we're talking about this. Well, I said this morning. We're talking about let us make God in our image. This us right here. It's in the Old Testament. And last week I gave moitization with Daniel in that fire in the furnace and said, one is in there like the Son of Man. All the scriptures from the Old Testament have always been pointing to Jesus. Amen. And the fulfillment of the law points to Jesus. The lamb that the priest sacrificed in the Old Testament, they would take the lamb and they would actually put the sins on the lamb, one lamb, and take it out of the camp. And one lamb would be sacrificed. What did that point to? That point to Christ taken out of the city limits of Judaism and be nailed to the Christ and slain and become the perfect righteousness for us. The whole Old Testament with the priestly system pointed to one that would be the true priest. We talked about this. Paul day and night kept sharing these things with them. Look to the Old Testament that Jesus has come. He fulfills everything in the Old Testament. So Paul day and night shared with the Jews that Christ brings in his kingdom and that he has overcome temptation of the devil he has and he will prevail or he has prevailed so Christ was punished and he prevailed that he died for sinners and he sits at the right hand of his father and these are some of the things that Paul possibly had taught to them day and night walking through the Old Testament expositional that hey this point to Jesus yeah the offspring of Abraham points to Jesus oh no this points to Jesus he was explaining to them day and night that everything points to Jesus. Amen. We find out in verse 24a, what happened then? After he explained to them on the greatest news, what happened here? It tells them in the test they were convinced. They were convinced of the beliefs of Christianity. That Christ brought him his kingdom. That the Messiah has appeared. That Jesus was the suffering servant from Isaiah. But what happened? After they walked through the test with them, many of the Jews proclaimed that Jesus is the Christ. And what did the word tell us in the scriptures in Greek? It tells us pistos. Or sometimes it say piston, which is believed. If you guys notice, believe and faith is the same thing. Faith is actually a noun, belief is a verb. Same word is one is a noun and one is a verb. They heard the truth and now they believe. Not just because Paul sounded good, but because the Spirit has opened their eyes to understand the Word of God. That's how they believe. Not that it just made sense. Oh man, it's, it's adding up right. I mean, they sound good. I mean, you think about this. Jesus did this. It sounds good. Hey, I believe. I mean, believing off intellect, intellect is, is not true belief, right? True belief comes from the true work of the Spirit. Amen. We know a lot of people that might understand a lot of facts about the Bible, but are still lost. Amen. But for the most part, though, is that to be a true believer, the Spirit of God have to wake you up. Have to what? Not say wake you up. You have to be born again. You are truly dead. You have to be born again. So the Spirit has to open your eyes, have to make you alive. This is not anything new. Isn't this part of the ministry of Jesus? Look about Mark 9, 21, that Brother Pitts read. And he said, from childhood it has often cast him into fire, into water, to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us. Have compassion on us and help us. 
And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried and said, I believe. Help my unbelief. How did he believe? Because Jesus worked in his life. John 9, 35-39, Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And having found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, and who is, the, and who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, you have seen him. It is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe. believe. And he worshiped him. And Jesus said, for just when I came into this world, that those who do not see might see may see. And those who see may become blind. Those who see may become blind. But also we see in John 6, verses 6, 6, 6, and 9. After this, many disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, do you want to go away as well? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and come to know that you are the Holy One of God. So family, we see this belief all the way through. These people believed before Paul, now they believe before Jesus. And family, people are continuing to believe even to this day. How do you know they believe? We learned this in John 14. How the Spirit is working in the life for the believer. If you love me, you keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be you with you forever. The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor hear, knows him. You know him, for he dwells in you and will be in you. How do you become a believer? The Spirit is in you. Amen. If you don't have the Spirit in you, you're not a believer. But a true believer has the spirit of God in them. So a true work, a true working of God outwardly is as a profession of the belief. Right? The belief already happens right internally by the spirit. And we eventually proclaim we believe. Right? You're saved before you proclaim it out loud. When I say it, that the spirit already began a good work in you. So Jesus proclaimed the good news and many believed because of the Spirit was working in them. And Jesus taught the disciples to continue in his mouth. And that's why we see now how Peter continued this as well. You guys, we talked about it in Acts 4, 1 through 4. So we talked about Jesus. They believe in the life of Jesus. Listen to Peter. And as, as they were speaking this with Peter and John, the priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them. And greatly ignored because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day. For it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word, what did they do? They believed. And the number of the men came to be about 5,000. This is Peter preaching they believed. Jesus preaching they believed. But also, the same thing happened with Philip. We learned in Philip in Acts chapter 8, verse 12. But when they believed, Philip had, as he preached the good news. <clears throat> but also, family, not only Philip, but now we have to learn about Paul. Paul in Acts 14, verses 1 and 2. Now at Iconium, they entered together into the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. Many believe in Iconium. They preach the gospel. Mark, I mean, I say Mark. Acts 14, 8 through 9, they believe with Paul, life of Paul. Acts 16, 14, they believe the life of Paul. Acts 17, 2 to 4, have Paul and preached the gospel, they believe. When it talks about with Lydia, as Philippi, Family, we continue to see that people are believing after they hear the gospel. What we are seeing here is that the disciples are marrying the great teacher. So what is happening? 
is that Jesus was at the right hand of the Father. He sits at the right hand of the throne. But at the same time, he was still working through his people for Peter to proclaim the gospel for many to believe, for Paul to proclaim the gospel for many to believe, family also for us to proclaim the gospel for many believe. Amen. People don't believe in the gospel because of your seminary background. They don't believe in the gospel because of your hospitality. They don't believe in the gospel because of your intellect. They believe in the gospel because of the work of Jesus in their lives. Amen. That's why people believe the gospel. People believe in the gospel because of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So family, what is happening right here with Paul, Jesus reminds us that Paul didn't save these people. It was Jesus that saved them. And it should encourage us before our fellow man that Jesus saved those who can't save themselves. Amen. Because Amen. the ones that think they can save themselves are the ones that will be on the left. But on the other side of this, we bring to point number two here. Some Jews disbelieved that Jesus was the Christ, 24b through 27. But others disbelieved right here at the end of 24b and disagreed among themselves. They disagreed that Jesus was the Christ. They disagreed with other aspects, might dealing with the resurrection. They all disagreed of Jesus being the Christ. This happened after many saw the miracles of Jesus. Jesus healed people. They still didn't believe. Actually, in John chapter 2, Jesus actually was healing people before people, and people were bringing everybody to him for Jesus to heal them, but Jesus what? He didn't go ahead and heal them because Jesus knew their hearts. Yeah. They knew he could heal, but they still didn't believe him. Yeah. That lets us know too. Again, we can do all the right things, right? We can do all the right things, all the happy things, and people still don't believe That should humble us. The more stuff that we want to do in our community, the more stuff people can see, then they're eventually going to believe. I think that's what's happening in the first century, right? In the first century, Jesus was doing many works, and people were actually still not believing. So who are the ones that believe? The one that was the Spirit worked in. So families arrogance to believe, they feel like people are going to believe because of our personality. Yeah. People are going to believe because of all these other things that we're able to do. Those that the Lord doesn't bind, blind, uh, those that the, the Lord doesn't draw, they're still blinded by their sins. Only the Lord can draw people to himself. Only the Lord can draw them. We cannot draw people to the Lord. We can share the gospel all day, give them great news. For 40 years, they finally, finally believe. And when they finally believed in 40 years, it wasn't that for us in any way that I just said the right thing and now they believe. No, they didn't. It was the Lord the whole time why they believed. Amen. When the Lord can draw people. Those that the Lord doesn't draw again are blinded by their sin. That's the same thing what Paul tells us in verse 25. Look down. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers, through the Isaiah the prophet, go to this people and say, you will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For the people's hearts had grown dull. And with their eyes, they can barely hear. Their ear, their, their eye, in their eyes, they have clothes. Their ears, they, they can barely hear. Their eyes, they have clothes. Lest they should see with their eyes. Doesn't that verse sound familiar? Who else mentioned that verse? Jesus. How many people like parables in the Bible? Amen. How many people like the parables? And actually, Matthew 13 in the parables, right? Jesus gave these parables. Then he gave, he gave one parable, the first one in 13. Then he goes on to describe as that. This is what the parable means, but people didn't understand the parable. And Jesus said he spoke in parable, so what? It was a judgment on unbelievers. Amen. The parable was designed for unbelievers not to understand. That's what the parable's for. It's for them to not understand the secret things of God. The secret mysteries of God belong to the believer. Amen. 
It's a judgment on them. Parables ask for a judgment on unbelievers that you cannot understand the beautiful mysteries of God. So right here, it tells us right here, Isaiah said the same thing. It tells us the Holy Spirit. Again, we see the Holy Spirit was in the Old Testament. The Holy Spirit was upon Isaiah. I think the verse quotes of Isaiah, um, I had it marked down. Isaiah 6, 9 and 10. What this verse points to. In the Old Testament, Isaiah talked about that. Jesus talked about this. So these people have heard many things what Jesus has done, but guess what? They don't understand. God has blinded them. Even in our day, many people have heard the gospel around us, but they still haven't responded to the gospel because they're still blinded. Only when a person again is born again, that's when they can respond. You guys know John 3, 3. Jesus answered, truly say out to you, Unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Romans 10, 9, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 1 Peter 1, 3, blessed be the God of our Father, Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused to be born again for a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creature, right? The old, has, old things pass away. Behold, the new things have come. Acts 2.38, Peter said to them, repent each of you, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I keep going on. The lean of faith verse, Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith. But not of yourself. It's a gift of God, not as of works. Not results of works, so that no one may boast. A person must be born again. If they are blinded, just like the Jews before Paul, they must seek the Lord. They must seek the Lord daily and beg and plead with the Lord to save them. So as many are still in unbelief today, Again, it should humble us the realization of the fact that the Lord is the one that saves. And we will minister the gospel to everyone, share the gospel to everybody, but the ultimate Lord is the one that saves. Brings to point number three. God will save Gentiles while many Jews do not believe. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. Many of these Jews are not born again. They are blinded by their sins. The Lord will open up the eyes of the Gentiles. And they will listen. And many Jews didn't consider for the Gentiles to believe because they were considered $50. Unclean, ignorant people. There's no way that the Gentiles actually can believe. But Paul tells us here, or Acts Luke through Luke tells us, that now the Gentiles are going to believe. Paul tells the Gentiles are going to believe. That they will listen. And this should be a shocker, but it was a shocker to the Jews that Gentiles get the opportunity to be sons and daughters of the Father. Doesn't that sound like Romans 11? How right the Gentiles, right, are grafted in? How the Gentile comes into this to provoke the Jews for jealousy? Then it goes on to, to Romans 11, 26. All Israel is going to be saved. Who is all Israel? All Israel is going to be consistent of the, the Jews and the Gentiles together. Makes up the true invisible church of God. This weekend, I mean, earlier this week, I was with a guy. He was telling me about a guy here. And he did try to do the same thing. He has a tree. And he talks about he has like pears and apples. Certain fruit that grow the same time of the year. And he actually grafted branches in from different trees, grafted them in. So this one tree produces five different fruit. One limb give apples. One limb like give pears. One limb give this fruit, give that fruit. He's able to graft it in. A lot of times we say, man, it's just the Bible giving us illustration, right? Where does a lot of the illustration come from? From nature. 
Jesus is also about, it's a lot of agriculture goes on and a lot of illustrations of Jesus. And the whole graphic in that Paul describes as well is agricultural. That now that, that limb that was weak that's fallen off, now is a new limb that comes in now that's part of the same tree. What is the tree? It's consistent of Christ and his bride. But this shouldn't be anything actually shocking to us. Genesis 12, 3, when it talks about the nation is going to come to know the Lord through Abraham. The same thing in Psalm 22, 27, Isaiah 42, 4, Isaiah 49, 6, Isaiah 56, 3 through 7, Jeremiah 16, 19 to 21. The Gentiles, all over the scriptures, that the Gentiles, that the nations will be glad. Panta ethnos. All the nations will be glad. Well, we know the word ethnicity, ethnos in Greek. All ethnicity, all peoples of the group are going to be glad because all people are going to be around the throne of God. This was predicted in the Old Testament. Adam and Eve wasn't Jews. Adam and Eve wasn't Hebrews. The Hebrew people come later, right? Thousands of years later, the Hebrew people come. So it ain't going to be just Jews in heaven. It's going to be other people outside of Jews going to be in heaven. It's going to be people from all different people groups. Yeah, all people groups. What is going to happen with the Jews? Over time, a lot of Jews are going to be humble. They're going to be humble of the gospel. And I met so many Jews now, even today, that believe in Jesus now. Or professing Jews, right? They say they believe in Jesus is the only way. And we don't know who, with all the different structures and changes over the thousands of years, we don't know exactly all who make up this Jewish people. It's so confusing out there. Everybody said it's a Jew, right? Everybody want to be able to have this supremacy. I'm a Jew and you're not. We hear this from white groups. We hear from black groups, all types of groups. We hear from groups from South America say they're Jews. Everybody say they're Jews. Family, the Jews had a purpose. Their purpose to bring about the Messiah. Their purpose was to be set aside for the Messiah to come to their lineage, for them to be a type of the true people of God. The Jewish people showed a picture of a people that was so disobedient. It was nothing pretty about the Jews but Jesus. Think about the story of what they did. Them dudes stayed in trouble. They stayed in trouble. We're going to hear about Reuben tonight. We're gonna, we're gonna, I mean, we have heard all these terrible stories about Noah, about Abraham, about Sarah, about Jacob, about Laban, family. The Jewish people ain't pretty. It's Jesus that's the one that's pretty. Amen. It's Jesus, and they pointed to Jesus. So, family, we shouldn't be shocked to be able to see that with Jesus saving the people the whole time. Point number four as we end here. Paul does not stop proclaiming the kingdom of God. If you got an ESV Bible, where is verse 29 right now? It like ran away, didn't it? Verse 29 is gone. What happened? Well, it tells us in the King James, and when he had said to these words, the Jews departed, having much dispute among themselves. Again, we talked about verses that are missing in the Bible. Matthew 18, 11. Um, uh, we have other places in the Acts that are certain versions that are missing certain verses in the Bible. Um, um, a lot of scholars um, say that these verses doesn't belong in the Bible because of the, the version that we use, like the King James, is not the most modern version. I mean, not the, the most credible version. The most credible version is the actual Sinaiticus text, Alexandrian text, and Byzantine text. I mean, not Byzantine. Sinaiticus, Alexandrius, and Vaticanus text. And what does I mean by that is that these are these certain manuscripts that was written in certain ancient times. These manuscripts are the most reliable Old Test, Old New Testament translation that we have. On the other side of the King James, King James used the Texas Receptus. It's a Latin. Texas means text. Receptus means receive. Text that's receive. And these tests that receive or tests that we receive, they're actually by 
the believers were passed down. They would say they were passed down by a certain credible people over the years. So in the test of receptance, that's why you have, you want to go back to the first century of the writings of St. Augustine or St. Augustine. You want to go back to John, um, 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 what's John's last name? Or John's surname is, uh, I, can't I can't think of it right now off top. Um, a lot of the early church fathers um, would actually be, actually have writings down of different translations. And you can read their writings and see what they quote in those, those verses. They quote a lot of the verses that we see that are missing in these versions, they were quoted in the first, second century, but outside of writings outside of the Bible. And so even at that time, they're saying that, well, these verses all of a sudden came around in the 15th century, 13th century. Well, why did these guys actually quote these, ask these verses in the second and third century? That's why I say this verse belongs. I believe this verse belongs. I believe that John 5 was 1 John. Uh, what's that? 1 John, the one that talks about it's three to bear witness. 1 John, I think 2 or 5, verses 7 through 9, I can tell you after service. Those verses belong. And regardless of different disagreements, I think those verses belong. And I think verse 29 fits very well what's happening in our test as well. It makes sense. Um, last thing I want to mention too about this, Mark chapter 16, from verses 10, I think, to the end of chapter Mark and verse chapter 16, they would say those that all that chapter pretty much doesn't belong in the Bible. I would say though is that it belonged there. Um, I would say it belonged. And so um, good Bible believing brothers and sisters in Christ, we differ on this. I don't believe, I, I think this is an error of them, but a lot of them are true brothers and sisters in Christ. I don't want you guys to say, oh, they don't, I think they're still, a lot of people are still working through like the history of the Bible and things of that nature. But I believe that all these verses belong in the scriptures. But it says in verse 29, and when he has said these words, what word did he say? He said that y'all blinded. That now the Gentiles are going to come to know Jesus. It makes sense. Having disputed among themselves, he lived there for two years, but They'll talk about that in just a second. But they disputed among themselves. Doesn't it sound like the life of Paul? How Paul ministered the gospel? How Jesus even ministered the gospel and the different Sechi and Pharisee disputed among themselves? Acts is letting us know that, hey, what is happening to Paul has already happened to Jesus. What happened to Paul has already happened to Peter. So they're disputing among themselves in the sense of this is not Luke just putting some new stuff down. This is not somebody said, let's just add this verse in here. This verse goes well in here. This is exactly the same that happened in the life of Jesus, that they disputed among themselves. We saw this even at the crucifixion of Jesus. They were disputing and chanting and saying certain things. But one and two brothers that stood up for Jesus in a gracious way without arrogance was Nicodemus, right? Nicodemus. The one that we heard about early in John 3. At the end of Jesus' life, we hear about Nicodemus again. What did Nicodemus do? He come there to bless his body. Nicodemus is one of the Pharisees. He come to bless his body. That's another Pharisee, he too, that came to bless his body. Joseph Armadillo. So the Pharisees are considered to be the ones that have been against Jesus. And But these two Pharisees right here comes at, at the crucial time to go ahead and say that, hey, I want to honor Jesus with a place to find the body to be laid. It's a public popular proclamation of what's happening here. We even saw some inner dispute, even with the governor. The governor, in a sense of knowing his wife, said she had many visions about this man. Don't, don't touch this man, referring to Jesus. It's a family. You still see as we end here, not test. We see the dispute that's happening with Paul and Jesus. Family, we also would see a dispute as well within our day as well. So Luke ends his book with some important things he wants us to know about Paul. Because Paul is also an example for us to resemble Christ in all things. If you guys know this, if you look in your Bible, what's the books of the Bible we have in the New Testament? We have what, Matthew, 
Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. Stop there. If you notice, Paul letters are not before any of those books. Do you know why? The reason why is that Luke wanted to introduce some way for us to believe that this is actually a man of God. So Luke lays us out who Paul is. Now we can read his writings. Think about it. You just got Paul's writings and Paul's just going in on these Jews. Paul first explained to the Jews, listen to the book of Acts now. Read the book of Acts. Now you read the letters. What Paul, what Luke was doing. What ultimately the Holy Spirit was doing through Luke. He was building up a case for us to be able to see we can trust these writings of Paul. He built this character. We found out the character of Paul and Acts. We found out the life of Paul and Acts. What is he like? If we just jump into Acts, I mean jump into the epistles, to the letters, we just read about a God that's bashing the church. I'm going to say bashing the church. We're actually calling the church out on everything. Now we see that Paul loves his church. We see it through the book of Acts. Acts has been teaching us that Paul loved the church. We can listen to his writings. So now we can cherish the rest of the letters. Philippians. You know, Philemon. Romans, Corinthians, Thessalonians. Timothy. Titus. We can trust Paul's writings because of what Paul has done in his life. So Paul is an example we should follow. So the first thing we have as we get ready to end here, a couple of things we can learn as we end here with Paul. The first thing we learn about Paul is that he doesn't want to burden others. He doesn't want to burden others. How do we know this? He doesn't want to hinder the Roman church in any way. He doesn't leave any room for people to say he's Paul is lazy. Paul was a tent maker by trade. We have heard about Paul working along, meeting Priscilla and Aquila, they got the tent business together selling on, selling on Amazon. We also know from the Thessalonians that Paul also taught the importance of work. So Luke wants us to see as Paul, as we finish learning about Paul here and that, Paul is the one that actually was working. Tell them verse 30. He lived there for two whole years at his own expense. He didn't burn the church. He lived there for his own expense. So Paul was a still a working person. Number two, we can end with this with Paul. The second thing Luke ends with about Paul is that he welcomed all who came to him. He didn't discriminate on who came to him. He welcomed all. Paul home was a safe place for Jews and Gentiles. Family, this is biblical unity. He was different from Peter and Galatians who separated himself from Gentiles. Paul promoted unity that Christ came to establish. Third thing Luke end with about Paul the proclaiming the kingdom of God. This is what Paul is saying that Christ has reigned. Christ's reign has begun. When he was born of the Virgin Mary, right? When it came to the world, his reign began. The wise man came to give honor to him. His reign began. That the blind now has never been in a place that the blind can see. That the lame can walk. That the sick can be healed. That a new heaven and earth is forming. This kingdom would not be hindered by Satan. That this kingdom drives out darkness like the Pharisees. He drove out the Pharisees. The Roman Caesar kingdom can't compare to the kingdom of Christ, which will be forever on earth and also in heaven forevermore. And they do have a new earth. Look back at history. We can talk about King Tut and the African dynasty, one of the longest dynasties in Africa. But look at Africa now and Ashton in Egypt. We got a, a pyramid that is still there, but it's almost left the ruins. What happened to that monstrous kingdom that ruled the world in Africa, and actually in, in, uh, in Africa, uh, within Egypt? Where is it at? What about the Nubian kingdom in Africa? 
What about the Assyrian dynasty? What about the Medo-Persian dynasty? What about them Vikings? We can keep going all the day with different kingdoms. Family kingdoms come and kingdoms fall. God is teaching us that it's only one kingdom that's going to last forever. It's the kingdom that Jesus brings in. And that kingdom has come through Jesus. And that kingdom will reign regardless of what's happening in our world, in our city, and what's around us. That Jesus' kingdom and his church will prevail. Because his kingdom is marked by himself regardless of what me may say about his kingdom. And sometimes his kingdom doesn't look the way we want it to look, does it? Many times we think the kingdom is going to look this certain way. But in his kingdom, a woman that has an issue of blood can come into that kingdom. Like in his kingdom, a woman that has many men that her husband can come into that kingdom. In his kingdom, a, a tax collector that has whipped the people off over and over again can come into his kingdom. In his kingdom, people that have dishonored him can come into his kingdom because his kingdom is not based upon their life. His kingdom is based upon his life. Amen. That's the good thing about his kingdom. Regardless of his kingdom, his kingdom will reign forevermore. Regardless of what many may say. And the fourth and final thing we can learn, Luke teaches about his kingdom. Luke ends with about Paul. Is that he taught about Jesus with boldness and no hindrance. For Paul to speak Jesus revealed of him not being ashamed of Jesus. Many Jews didn't care too much for Christ. So for Paul, boldly proclaiming Christ, let us know that his leading to Christ and Christ alone, regardless of what many may say about you. But also the Lord went to Peter, went before Peter and Paul. As Jesus lived his life, he had been mocked his entire life. But Jesus proclaimed with boldness before the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He did not waver on boldness. So what did Peter do? Peter comes at the same boldness in Acts 2 and Acts 4. Paul came to this boldness when he was in Ephesus before this statue of Diana's, Diana. But also Paul went boldness in Lystra. He went in boldness in Iconium. So family, as the people of God, we must be bold as well. <coughs> So these four things Luke described about Paul can summarize in the life of Jesus. How do we know this? Real quick. Jesus' work, he wasn't a burden on anyone. Right? He was a carpenter. He wasn't lazy. He wasn't a burden on others. He welcomed all. He also he welcomed all to come to him, like Paul talks about here. How Paul stayed there in Rome and many came to him. Jesus said, let all the children come to me and for the disciples not to hinder them. He also preached the kingdom of God and taught them how the law of Moses and the prophets pointed to him. Luke ends at with us knowing that Paul resembled the life of Jesus, but he ultimately ends the book of Acts letting us know that Jesus did a lot of us, that he's going to go up to a place, but he is going to be with us forevermore through his church. Amen. So how do we do it? How do we reign in this world? Because of the work of Jesus. He is reigning through his people right now. People are saved not by our words. They are saved by the words of Jesus. So family, be encouraged that it will be Jews and Gentiles that believe in Jesus, that will come to Jesus. Let me end with this this morning. Be encouraged. We're trying to convince people of the gospel. Be encouraged. Some will believe and some will not believe. We're, we're not like those that have came before us that force people to believe in the Bible and kill people for them to believe in the Bible. We don't force people to believe in the Bible. And the sad thing we read about stories of how Islam in the early 7th century went through forcing people to believe in Islam. And they saw the same concept what Islam did. It's many Christians, professing Christians that use the same concept of Islam. How about we rape and kill to make people believe? Family, we don't rape and kill to make people believe. Family, we plant seeds, right? We water. One, the Lord can make things grow.
Amen. So family, as you preach the gospel and share the gospel in your community, you don't have to force them to come to church every Sunday. You don't have to force them and everything to do this, force them to do these certain things. You don't have to force those certain things. Because they truly believe they're going to come. If they truly believe they're going to be with God and his people. So we don't have to force anything. We share the gospel and let the Lord go before us. So we must be faithful in sharing the gospel and leave the miracle of salvation to the Lord. He's the one to bring about the miracle. So pray for boldness and evangelism. Pray for those who you share the gospel with. Pray for those whose hearts are hardened. Pray for that you don't make it personal when someone rejects the gospel. Understand that they're blinded, that you will be the one to reject the gospel of God and open your heart. Amen, amen. So it's nothing about you that they understand. It's nothing about you that understood. You were blinded just like them. You understand the gospel because God has opened your eyes. This should humble us to be patient and that they are blinded because God hasn't opened their eyes. So we be faithful. We don't make things personal. Number two, Christ, I mean, I'm sorry, shares the benefit of being a believer. That we get to resemble Jesus every day. We get to resemble Jesus every day. But also you command us to be like Jesus. All the things that make us not like Jesus should be, we should be ready to let go. But we get the opportunity as believers to resemble the creator of the universe. We get to mirror Jesus. And that's why he said, let him make us an eye image and likeness. No other creation get this, uh, get this certain privilege. We're the only creation, creature in creation get this privilege to be made in his image and after his likeness. We get that. Let us cherish that, that uh, gift that God gives to us. Last thing, continue to read the book of Acts. Continue to read the book of Acts. It will continue to remind you how Jesus is still working in the world today in the church regardless of the issues in the church and outside the church. Jesus is still working in the world today. Even though he's at the right hand of his father, his church is the body on earth regardless of what the world may say about the church. Let the world see Jesus through the church on earth. And may we be good representatives before the world on how we live our lives before others. So what we learn in the book of Acts, how Paul went there and ministered in churches were planted. And now it's 2022. Now the gospel has went around the globe. There's still some nations and tribes and people groups and everything that we want to get the gospel to. But for the most part, the gospel has spread. And it's going to continue to spread. So continue reading the book of Acts and be encouraged of what God has taught us through this book. Let me pray for us.